Okay. Um, well, I guess, first of all, and I, and I spoke, I think, very, very briefly um, to KRBD about this. Um, the first thing that you have to remember in some of the elected positions in any governing body is that you have staff who you have hired and paid to make some of these decisions. They tend to be um, subject matter experts. Uh, they take, you know, they stay up to date on what's happening in their programming nationwide, what the rules are, what the boundaries are for what should be done or not be done. And um, I think that that matter in particular, I think about that uh, a little bit in terms of process. Um, I happened to attend the meeting where um, some of the grant committee members had um, reported to the assembly on that issue, and um, that the you know the process had been followed, that they had reviewed those applications uh, you know fairly according to kind of the dictates of their committee, and that they'd made the recommendation based on their assessment that the the Catch uh, uh, Can Pride Alliance. Uh, met the qualifications of some of an organization in the community that could be uh, given a grant under the circumstances. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about that, um, you know, I think it's always the responsibility of the elected officials to hold our entities and our organizations um, and government accountable and to ask those questions. But then at the same time, I also think it's important to listen to our um, our paid administrators and to uh, take into account their perspectives in decision making and to kind of balance those things out. Of course, that always is balanced out primarily by the response of the constituency and so the thoughts of the community, right, and, when, and where they end on that issue, you know, how they are viewing it. And um, so with the, the veto issue, I, I guess that's how I would respond to that is uh, letting the process um, that has been put in place by the elected official and followed by the administration that, you know, to kind of honor that process. I think the second issue, though, is is a cultural one. It's, it, yes. it's one of... Um, people living in a society together with very, very different views and beliefs and trying to figure out what fits within the public square and what doesn't. You know, what shouldn't belong in the public square and what should, what should exist. And so um, I think on that note, um, I would say uh, when we're talking about whether or not taxpayer money was used for that, my understanding is those individuals weren't paid. One quick second, Katie Joe. Sure. Hello, call. Give me one quick second to allow Katie to finish her answer, then we will be right with you. Go ahead, Katie. So for the programming um, that was uh, selected to exist in the library, I think is the question, like whether it was appropriate or not for that to exist in the library and to be an option yes. for community members. And so people who are very concerned and don't want to engage in that were not made to engage in that. But my understanding in, in hearing from the library director is it was one of the biggest story hours that they've ever had. And they mm -hmm. had to do multiple um, uh, multiple sessions of that to meet the demand from the community. And I feel like that tells us something. That was something that our, you know, our, 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 parents wanted to engage in. Um, and I know that part of the issue is that it has been, um, you know, kind of there's been this this concern about sexuality. Mm -hmm. And I don't understand that event to have been 
related to sexuality, but more to performance and to aesthetic, which is different. And so it's... And it's the same as we have theater productions in the community, and that's an opportunity to go and learn about a story and learn about a different way of of existing and and to engage in music and to engage in in you know beauty and and something fun. But you don't have to do it. Precisely. Um, and and I should I should preface that by saying that those performances also take place in a public facility. You know, so so those are kind of some things that, that I've I've mulled over as this issue has come forward. Definitely. And I think there's a big misconception about a lot of things pertaining to the LGBT community, being that most people who aren't directly a part of that community feel that everything that happens within that community is sexual. And there is a misconception as to what drag is is you know you wouldn't you wouldn't go and see a clown and uh, drag is a performance medium just as clown and other things are as well so i think there's a lack of education as to what these things actually are and ketchikan is not unique in having a drag story time this happens all over the country and all over the world so ketchikan's really just catching up on that but we do have a caller let's see what they have to say hello caller and welcome to the first city forum you're on with joe williams and katie joe parrott Oh, one second, one second, one second, one second. Hello, hello. I had to turn down. How's it going? Good. What I don't your... think I don't think the veto is what most of the public is getting at. It's my tax dollars going to the library, mm-hmm. and and I don't agree with the drag queen uh, up there with the kids. Okay. So it's my tax. It's my tax dollars that's going to the fund the library. Those drag queens, they could have went and read in a spot at K-Fox or, or the landing. They could have rented a spot anywhere that my tax dollars wasn't supporting is what I believe that most people's opinion is on that. We don't really care that there's drag people running around town, but I'm not going to waste my money on something to support them. Okay. And, uh, that, that's what I believe that the public, they don't really care as much. And, and I don't. I don't care whether they, the drag queens get their nine, 1900 bucks or whatever they want. They go dress up and dance all they want. But I'm not going to go see them. And I'm not going to waste my money to rent anything to go see them. So... That, I think, is the public opinion. Thank you. Okay, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Okay, so that is um, definitely a valid opinion as well. They say, he's, as our caller just said, the public tech, the public the public's tax dollars are going to support the library. So -hmm. they don't want to see that there. Mm -hmm. I would say that the public includes people in the LGBT community who do want to see it. And that has been shown by the fact that hundreds of people went to see it with their kids. Mm -hmm. But what would you say to that? Um, Well, you know, I do deal with money. So in my public money, in my current role. Um, and so there's a couple of things that, that I would think about to evaluate the situation um, in terms of what, like, what the actual cost is. Um, so, um, yes, uh, our 
tax dollars go to support the library that does all kinds of other things year round um, that are extremely supportive to the community. Um, I was actually speaking yesterday with a, a couple of fellow moms in the community, and we were talking about how often and how much time when our kids were little, we would go spend at the library mm-hmm. hours and hours and hours and hours. Um, and it was such a safe place for us um, to be, um, especially when, you know, we are dealing with an environment of inclement weather often. So um, I think that um, if, if people are concerned about their tax dollars going to the Drag Queen Story Hour, I don't believe there was any exchange of money to pay anyone to be present. Exactly. So what the tax dollars would be is the normal part of operating the library that would have been operating anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, the the actual cost of that event to the library, again, my understanding is there wasn't a cost. And the issue is kind of in terms of what people believe is appropriate to host in the public square. Absolutely. And as we've talked about, we all have our various religious and political beliefs I think one thing we all have to um, admit, which may be too basic, is that we ha- LGBTQ people exist in our society. Yes. And um, that's just a fact. And so to what extent are, are they allowed um, to be present and visible and seen and supported in the public square? And my personal feeling is that There is such a high rate of uh, suicide amongst youth who identify as LGBTQ. And I think one of the reasons is because they exist in spaces where they don't feel like they can exist. Yes. And at the end of the day, I want to prioritize the the life and well-being of our kids. And so I want them to see people like them who can be supported and be loved and be um, included in a community. And that comes not just from my personal belief, that comes also from my religious and spiritual beliefs. Yes. Um, I, I haven't talked about it real in depth, but many people know this about me. I'm a person of faith, and that is something that is at the core of my life and my philosophy. And I feel like we've been called to love. And do I think that there's some boundaries to that? Yes. But it, it, But I also look at what are the fruits of what kinds of approaches to kids and human beings make them thrive or make them struggle. And um, I think at the end of the day, love and inclusion and um, having a, a space to feel supported is is going to be where I land. Absolutely. And I think a lot of the misconception where you hear comments like that, where they say, I don't want my public, um, my, my my tax money going to support this. I think they're, they're mixing in the, what was it, $1,800 grant for the Pride Alliance with the library funding and with these different things. And, you know, it really just goes into your your tax dollars go towards a lot of things and anyone can apply for these grants. And mm-hmm. as you said before, uh, this grant was vetted through due process. Mm-hmm. You know, everything that you would have to go through to get any grant 
the Pride Alliance did go through to get it. So, I mean, those, those opinions are opinions that I don't think will change. There are people who don't, who, because they think of the LGBT community as inherently sexual, uh, they will never quite understand that the that people need representation. We have another caller. Let's see if let's see if it's, if it's the same one. Let's see. Let's see. Hello, caller. You're on the air with Joe Williams and Katie Joe Parrot. Simple uh, comments like um, because of the ooh, drag queen storytelling at the library. Now is the borough supposedly putting it up on the ballot? fund the library portion from them or what? Uh, could you expound upon that question, sir? Okay, uh seem like um, in October there's going to be an election on funding initiative or whatever for the borough's portion to the library. Is that true or not? You know, that is true. Yeah, okay. that is true to my understanding. So the community will have an opportunity to vote on yeah. the issue. Well, that's where I just hope a lot of people get involved, put the signs up, like uh, once they start stopping one, you know, liberty of people doing things, they'll go after another set of people, seems like, you know. And if we're in the tourist industry, uh, do we close down all of our shops when a cruise ship comes in with a, a boat full of gay people? Like, I think that used to happen, you know, the ships would come once a year. Like, are we going to turn down their money? <laughs> you know. These are these these are valid questions, and I like where you went with that, sir. Thank you so much for your call. Okay. Well, uh, people just need to be aware about this election coming up. Like, uh, if the borough cancels out their funding, then that means the city has to kick in the whole nine yards. Then they're going to raise the taxes or whatever, or lay off people at the library. Then that's what they'll do. Then something to think about. Thanks. Absolutely. Thank you so much, sir, for your call. So I think at this point, we're sort of beating the the dead horse on this topic. You know, I think people have their opinions, and I think we got a bit of a glimpse into what your opinion on this is and what your policy would be following due process, right? Correct. Yeah, and and, and to kind of evaluating this within the, the broad scope of what the library provides to the community. And whether or not, I mean, I think it was maybe like, what, half an hour or an hour and a half of of programming is worth defunding to the extent that it puts a burden on our our partner municipality. Um, I don't think that that's wise personally. Perfect, perfect. So I'm going to move on to something that I find to be um, particularly important in my life. The Ketchikan Rec Center. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. The Ketchikan Rec Center. Katie Jill, that weight room is just too small, darling. It's too small. (laughs) Listen, during the season, I was there yesterday and there were 26 people. I was there with Adam Gullen. uh, Well, not there with him, but there at the same time as him. And he counted 26 people in the rec room. And I was like, you know, we should we we could use maybe two flat benches instead of just one maybe mm-hmm. another uh decline bench maybe something and he said there was an initiative a, a a ballot measure on to actually move the weight room to the bottom floor and to have the offices on top what are your thoughts on recreation and and catch a can and that actually goes into another question i have um but yeah but we'll start okay. with, with that um my response to that would be what are the recommendations of the administrators 
<laughs> the people who are responsible, um, who are in that building every day, who who know the ins and outs um, and are the subject matter experts, I would want to hear from them on that. Um, and then and also to hear from the public on that, what uh, what people are wanting to see um, and to see what the, the challenges or opportunities would be of implementing that. One second. You're on the air with Katie Joe and Joe Williams. What is your question, caller? Hey, this is Austin. I was curious what kind of uh, economic development ideas Katie has for the community. Great question. Thank you, Austin. I appreciate that. Let's let's address that. Thank you, Austin. Yes. That is a great question. Thank you. so there, there are many. So uh, this this goes to a little bit of two issues. So I'm I'm going to kind of uh, tag on to um, the housing issue as well um, because it, in some ways I feel like it's a similar um, area in terms of um, the borough isn't single handedly doesn't single handedly have all the levers and mechanisms at their disposal to solve issues of housing or economic development. But the thing that's important to remember is that the borough can create an environment where uh, our our citizens can thrive, where we can d- we can encourage the development of housing that will solve you know part of the housing solution. We don't necessarily um, you know in. I guess, implement interventions in the market. Um, but there's things that can be done in borough code that create um, those opportunities. And so um, some of the things that are happening right now are really exciting um, to see the borough moving forward in, in terms of economic development, because there's strategies, there's the tourism uh, collaboration group that's happening, um, and and there's uh, some of these things that are kind of in the works. I believe also that the borough has uh, set aside a, a whole position to focus on economic development projects, which I think is a huge step forward, because it, sometimes when it's uh, it's everybody's issue, then it's nobody's issue, if that makes sense. So there's some things that the borough is already doing to really prioritize um, uh, the economic health of the community um, and to incentivize, I guess, businesses to thrive. Um, and one of the things, one of the absolutely most dramatic things, and I just give so much credit to um, the staff for making it happen, because I know personally from being at the school district, it was an insane time, is all of the the way that we quickly got out relief to businesses to make it through those really two awful years yes. uh, of COVID where we didn't have a season. And that's such an economic driver for our community. I mean, just like terrifying. And we experienced that also, um, my husband and I own a business, and he's a he's a charter captain, um, and so that was we know personally that was a really scary, terrifying time, and the way that the borough was able to very quickly kind of uh, put those activate those funds and get them in the hands of. Uh, businesses made it so that businesses didn't close during that time. Um, So uh, I just wanted to give a shout out about that because we're coming out of a time of having to kind of be in survival mode. And I think now we need to start moving toward a time of strategizing and being really creative and innovative in those ways. Um, And um, there's a lot that can be done there. And I think that the the things that the borough has already done to put steps and stepping stones in place toward that is really tremendous. Um, I think also leveraging the strength of our existing nonprofits and our businesses. Um, 
uh, Ketchikan, I feel like, is is really, really, like, rich in in a variety of businesses, in small business owners, um, but also in the nonprofits that kind of support things around um, our community to, to make this a place that can be, you know, economically healthy and well. Um, and so uh, I think that... Um, also taking a look at some of the opportunities that are coming forward um, when, um, you know, there's uh, uh, projects that are happening on both ends of the island. There's just so much that's so much potential that's going on right now. I think being in a place of evaluating how the borough can create um, support for opportunities is the key. I love that. I love that. And I love how you touched on how the community, how Ketchikan did provide so much for businesses and for individuals yeah. during during COVID when when people just couldn't work there was no work and and you know I know that I received great support from the different organizations in the community when it was unsure could you pay your rent on time Ketchikan paid a lot of people's rent for a long time and there were all kinds of programs like that that existed so that is beautiful that we do have that in this community so I'm on with Katie until 12 p.m. ladies and gentlemen if you have any further questions please call in 907-247-2000 Katie will be on again at some point during this election season so you'll have other times to call in but right now Katie Joe is with us in the studio and, you know, I just really have a question. Did you always have, and it sounds like you may have, did you always have that drive to serve? Um, oh, that's a good question. That's an interesting question. Um, I think it started a little bit more focused on wanting to work, work with kids and support kids who are struggling. I mean, I feel like it started there. And then as I kind of made my way through the different positions and and roles that I've served, I saw the opportunities of a different kind of service to community um, that kind of expanded outside of the individual to a group of individuals and then to more like a community. Um, And so I I would say um, it's become a passion probably for the last 10 years or so. (laughs) So for a while. um, But like I said, I think early on, I didn't know what my strengths were. I didn't know what I could even bring to the table to use to serve someone else. Um, And it seemed like it was always people observing things that I was good at who pointed those things out to me. So, yeah. Hello, caller, and welcome to the First City Forum with Joe Williams and Katie Joe Parrott. How can we help you? Hi, Joe. Hey, it's uh, Rod Dial. Yeah, just interview. Um, I also wanted to correct you on something. You said I vetoed the um, the event at the library, and I just need you to know that the borough had nothing to do with it. Okay. Um, and I would also like to just say I would be happy to be interviewed by you. I, I certainly have um, no hard feelings, and I, I didn't by any means say anything negative about you personally. So... I mean, I would, I would, uh, I would welcome the opportunity, but um, I just would hope that you would correct that one thing that I had absolutely nothing to do with what happened over the library. Thank you. Well, thank you, Mayor Dial, and you will have your opportunities to, to your opportunity to speak when we have you on, and I would be glad to be the one to conduct that interview. Thank you so much. Um, so, um, Katie, you know, I want to end this by just 
addressing something before the interview we talked about a few talking points that we really wanted to hit on and i want to talk about if you were to win the mayor the the mayoral race Mm -hmm. what would be your leadership style oh okay um well i think that it goes back to some of the things that i already said in the interview is that i i want to create um a a space that's that embodies what I feel the purpose of the role is, which is to be nonpartisan and to be ceremonial and to lead in a way that is inclusive um, and kind of creates a bigger umbrella um, for people to um, to kind of exist in the community. Um, I I feel very strongly that there's I, I believe that people should operate according to their faith and according to their beliefs. But I also feel that it's really important in certain positions and spaces that you have to set aside your personal political beliefs and your personal religious beliefs um, because those aren't shared by everyone. And we have a representative government that's established to be for all citizens. And the, the variety of of and of beliefs and and um, you know goals, and I think that's a really hard thing to do um, because some of those are so closely held, you know. And so I understand why you know people are elected into positions and want to operate in in very close um, kind of um, uh, I don't know fidelity to those beliefs. Um, but uh, really, the 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 borough mayor position is is a presiding officer that. Um, assist the borough in doing business. Um, and so that would be my goal is to make sure that I'm operating uh, within, you know, what's in borough code uh, for the purposes of the mayor, the duties of the mayor, that I give an opportunity for all of the borough assembly members to be heard. Um, and, and not to say that I don't think that some of these things are happening, because I know that some of these things are happening. Yes. Um, but uh, that that would be my goal um, and to always be listening, always be open to be flexible in my understanding of the issues, um, to do my homework. Um, these are all things that I, I feel are are really kind of just a must do for public officials. Um, and I, I also think that um, I can be a public face that is very active in advocacy for our community. I have experience doing legislative advocacy. I have relationships with people in the state that I think I can be effective. Um, that's actually one of the areas that's one of the biggest challenges and opportunities in front of the borough in the coming years is what's happening with education funding. Mm. And the education funding issue is a state funding issue. And so one of the other places where that intersects with economic development and economic health of our community is that state budget woes and, and you know funding cuts don't disproportionately impact negatively the local municipalities. That's an issue I feel extremely strongly about and that I feel um, I can very, very effectively advocate for the community. I know those issues inside and out. Um, I'm very vocal about those issues. I have been very vocal about those issues. Um, And that would be one of my top priorities. 
Well, thank you so much, Katie Joe, for being my first guest <laughs> on back on the air here at the First City Forum on KTKN. That is our time, unfortunately. Thank you so much. But I'm sure we'll hear much more from you in the coming oh, months. Thank, thank you so you much, Katie Joe. Thank you so much. And thank you to all the callers who called in today. I am your host, Joe Williams, on the First City Forum. And oh, who are our sponsors? I believe it is the Gemini Crystal Wizard. And give me one second. We'll be back on with our sponsors. The Gemini Crystal Wizard and KPU TV, if I am not mistaken, I will come back on and correct that if need be. Thank you all for tuning in and see you next time on the First City Forum. Bye-bye.